Welcome listeners. This is the first episode of season two and I'm super excited. You're going to love this one. Nick Dimitrov, he's based out of Seattle and he talks to us about his journey as an immigrant from Bulgaria emigrating to the US. I don't want to give you any hints because you just got to listen to this and I promise you, you're going to get some fantastic golden nuggets. I'm so excited that you're here. You're going to love it. Rate it, review it, subscribe to the podcast, talk about it with your friends, and please do send me some feedback at infoLivewithIrenia at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have you as a listener. Welcome to Ad Live with Irenia. I'm your host, Irenia Rissell. Today, I'm very excited to have with me in studio, Mr. Nick Dimitrov. He's the co-founder of Amazon Bound. He's also an author, and he also writes in several different publications. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Irenia. It's great to be here. Awesome. I am so happy to have a guest all the way from Seattle. You're my first from Seattle, actually. Yes, it's, it's a beautiful day in Seattle, as you can see on the video feed. <laughs> That's awesome. And to you, my listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, you stay tuned to the, this dial because I know that Nick is going to drop some big golden nuggets for you and that you are just totally going to enjoy this episode. So without any further ado, it's my honor to really introduce Nick, who is a really cool guy because he has a really cool career history. He joined Amazon and co-founded Amazon Game Studio in a series of direct pitches to Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. And who hasn't heard of Jeff Bezos, right? Amazon has since invested more than $1 billion in the gaming space by acquiring the gaming streaming platform Twitch, developing its own 3D game engine called Lumberyard, and building top-budget games in internal studios. He left Amazon and $1 million in deferred stock compensation to start his dream, his company, Amazon Bound. And he truly believes the future is now, and we are in the year of the dragon. Now, I don't know what year is that, but he's going to tell me about it. Right, Nick? (laughs) Maybe we can start with that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, this this was actually, uh, um, yeah, I I left Amazon actually in 2018. Around that time, there was this prominent uh, American uh, snowboarder who won Olympic gold teenager, and uh, she's of Korean descent. And uh, she was uh, saying how when, uh, before, before she started the event, her father was uh, telling her, you know, this is the time to be a dragon. You can do this. Go. Um, so I, I, I thought this was a pretty, a pretty cool statement. And uh, I've been using it on and off ever since. 
Well, that's awesome. It's funny that you use the year of the dragon, you know, the year to really go push for it, right? Because in current times, we are facing a major event, um, which is, you know, we're collectively experiencing that all over the globe. So you call it the dragon. Some people call it, we're facing a hard winter. And in a hard winter, we have to be resilient. Very so true. let's let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you came to be the person you are today, living your dream, owning your company. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually am uh, an immigrant, just like you, Irenia, and a lot of the um, people who are listening right now. I, I was born and raised in Bulgaria. That's a small country in Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. right on top of Greece. And, uh, and I uh, effectively had you know, very humble beginnings and, and regular childhood, and one thing led to another. Um, and I, uh, I, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by very precocious teachers who pushed me uh, in high school and um, they encouraged me to apply to a number of different, different universities. At the time, there was um, the very first university that imagine that's in the, in the mid 1990s, mm -hmm. um, the very first American university. I think they're, they're based out of Maine. Uh, set up their uh, affiliate in uh, in Bulgaria, so they pushed me to apply to to that university as well. And because all uh, universities, as we know, they, they use standardized form of testing, I would take these uh, regular tests, which would be good for to apply to any other school. <clears throat> yes. And um, and I applied to a number of universities, um, uh, in addition to the one in Bulgaria. And one of the universities that I applied to was Northeastern University in Boston. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very fortunate. They gave me a scholarship for 50% uh, of, my, of my tuition, mm -hmm. room and board, but uh, it was still a hugely discrepant number compared to what my family could afford. Mm -hmm. Because at the time in Bulgaria, the, uh, the average annual income for one year was uh, roughly $4,000. So... Um, it was a very, a very steep hill to climb. I think even after the, um, the scholarship, the annual total for the, to, to go to Northeastern was roughly twelve dollars to $15,000. So the best we could do is pay for that first, uh, pay for that first uh, quarter and uh, give me uh, $900 in my pocket to, to try to figure out how to how to make ends meet in, in America and put me on a one-way uh, flight to Boston and, uh, and I had to figure out the rest. Wow. So you came over to Boston with a hope and a dream and $900. That's absolutely amazing. And um, what happened next? Because I imagine you had to do a lot of things to come up with the rest of the funds, right? Yes, absolutely. It was uh, it wasn't uh, it it wasn't a very uh, uh, smooth experience, as you can imagine. I mm -hmm. uh, I arrived in September in 1995 mm -hmm. in Boston, and um, I showed up a little early. I think it was early September, a little early to campus, and I showed up to the uh, student uh, dormitory and the the, the student center. Uh, on campus and mm -hmm. they tell me that the dorms are, are closed and they're not gonna open for a few weeks. 
and um, they tell me that I should go stay at uh, at a local kind of hostel, uh, which was the YMCA. So I took my suitcases and um, I went to the Y and I stayed. I lined up to uh, to to get myself a room. When 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 my turn came up to the concierge, they said that it cost eighty dollars a night, and uh, and I I bought one room for that night and. Um, go upstairs to the room and it was very very tiny with a bunch of bunk beds on the one side and uh and i was quite shocked to uh to figure out that you know at this rate i'll, I'll go through my entire funds in in a, in a matter of a couple of weeks so i started you know i was very despondent and i even cried quite a bit and uh and then i effectively dropped my suitcases in the in the room and i went all the way back to the student center and i told them that they needed to figure out some way to to make this work for me because this was my predicament mm -hmm. and um and uh and i was very fortunate that one of the employees there she really took my my plea to heart and looked into different options and figured out that there was one dormitory that had opened early uh in the uh, in the honors dorm uh, because of all the all the geeks and overachievers who had showed up to campus early <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh she was uh, very kind to accommodate me there and um i uh i was super happy then i go back to the y to the ymca and uh, in a very naive fashion i um uh <laughs> went to uh to the concierge desk again to the reception desk and i said hey i i don't need the room anymore I, can i have my money back <laughs> 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 and they said, "Well, sir, that's not how it works." <laughs> yeah. So they so they refused to uh, they refused to reimburse me. But I was very lucky that that whole, <clears throat> I guess, the why was um, for that night was was fully booked, and I literally started going from one person to another in the lobby and seeing if anybody needed a place to stay. And I was able to find this gentleman from Scotland, whose name was Andy, and I actually sold him my room for uh, for the same eighty dollars. That's awesome. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we had beers later to celebrate. And mm -hmm. uh, um, when I came to my, to my dorm, again, mm -hmm. that's the very first time in my life that I had walked into uh, a U.S. dorm. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. And they were, again, they had, they had another set of bunk beds. These ones were, were paid for for now. <laughs> and... Um, and there was nothing else. It was just a, a mattress and the bunk bed. So that first night, I slept with uh, my jacket as my pillow and Bulgarian flag as my blanket. And then the next uh, the next morning, I um, I get out and go back to to campus, and uh, and I found um, a cluster of of, uh, of students, and uh, and I go to them and I I said, hey girls and guys, I have this incredibly stupid question for you, but where can I buy some pillows? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, they pointed me to Marshall's and, uh, and yeah. I, I this is, a, this is a, a chain of stores back in the day in Boston. And mm -hmm. I got my first pillow from there. So, so one thing led to another on and on and on. And I, I, I found a, a job as a proctor, which is effectively um, the person who lets people in and out the, of the student dorms. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I picked up the night shift. Uh, because it paid the most and i would uh i'd study uh at night and i'd go to school in the day so i i somehow made made uh, ends meet until i got an internship with microsoft mm -hmm. um i was very fortunate to do that and then that kind of started helping things out quite a bit 
So it propelled you forward. I can only imagine the culture shock that you faced from Bulgaria to Boston to the dorm rooms, um, you know, during that first period of time. Um, because I can totally resonate with your story. At least you came to university in the fall. I mean, yeah. when I came to university, it was in deep winter of January 99 from a hot tropical country. Yeah. So um, I can only imagine, you know, um, what you went through. But that, that is awesome. You know, that's, that's a great, you know, start to your story. And uh, so after Microsoft, you got that internships. And what other career pivots have you made along the way since then? I actually started at Microsoft as a finance person because I, I went to uh, Northeastern to graduate uh, with a degree in finance and, and MIS. That was, a, that was a dual major that I had. Mm -hmm. MIS stands for Management Information Systems. And now, they, now the, the acronym is IT, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. So, so I started as a finance person. The, the, way, the, way finance, the way the finance structure is, is built in a lot of these larger companies is you're paired with teams, with product teams to support. And every once and again, and maybe every year or two, um, you're encouraged to switch groups mm -hmm. so that on the one hand, you accumulate more experience as a finance person supporting different teams and different departments. And on the other hand, you also don't go native because it's supposed to be at an arm's length uh, relationship to, to kind of keep your, your business partners balanced and, and honest. I was going from one team to another at Microsoft as a, as a finance analyst, as a junior finance analyst, until I stumbled on the Xbox team for, for video games. I started working there and I was as happy as uh, I can be working on video games and I was getting paid to do that. It was, I was a pretty uh, amazing setup that I had in my mind. And then the time came, the, the two years expired and my, my management team said, well, Nick, you got to go to a different team. And I said, I don't want to go to a different team. Yeah. Um, I want to work here. And they said, you can't work here. You know, that's, that's how the cookie crumbles. I went to uh, the uh, team I was supporting those were the business development people. Those were the, the planning strategy people mm -hmm. uh, in Microsoft Game Studios. And I asked them if they would consider hiring me. They were very gracious in letting me effectively audition for the job effectively in the evenings when you know, I would do my finance duties for whatever team I was working at the time. They would give me a bunch of projects to, to work on. Uh, and this was an opportunity for me to learn what they were doing mm -hmm. and uh, to cut my teeth. And then when the next opening came up for them, I, uh, I applied as uh, one of their junior business management and business development people. I was very fortunate for them to hire me. And then I stayed on that team for a number of years. I, I eventually ran the team and, and stayed with, with Microsoft for a total of, of 14 years, doing a number of different roles from business development, business management, product planning, uh, product management, and uh, started with Xbox, um, then went to Connect. If you recall, back in the day, that was this um, sensor, this camera that could read your motions as, as you gamed. And then that team morphed into what was, what's now known as uh, HoloLens. And, uh, and I've, I've, effectively attempted to reinvent myself while supporting these different products and in, in different functions, starting from finance and evolving all the way to contract management, business development, strategy, and product management. 
That is absolutely amazing, you know, and I really want to pull some stuff out of that to unpack that because, you know, as a junior finance analyst, you saw something within that gaming team and you said you want to be part of that team. But not only did you ask for the opportunity, you also worked to get that opportunity to prove yourself that you were deserving of that. And when you get the interview, you did get in. And then you worked your way up. That is, you know, phenomenal in, in terms of how you move across to follow what you were really passionate about within the company that you were working, but also getting all types of skill sets. As you say, you reinvented yourself and, um, you know, you learned all sorts of skills. So that's fantastic. And um, so how important it is today for youth today young people who are graduating because right now there are a lot of graduates who had a very rosy picture back in january um you know when they're looking at the onset of jobs and now we're in you know we're in may and the outlook is very different how adaptable do they have to be right now entering corporate I think that's incredibly important, uh, almost no matter the time, but, but as you pointed out, even more so today, mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to, as they call it, learn and unlearn. I think the ability to learn and unlearn and then learn new skills is incredibly valuable. And, uh, and I was maybe very fortunate to be surrounded with, with very gracious people who, as you said, were willing to give me the benefit of the doubt and almost gamble on me to to see if I had it in me. I would advise young people who are jumping into the workforce to exactly do that in a much more proactive fashion than I did. To give you some tactical advice, just find people who you respect, people you admire professionally, and reach out to them and ask how you could solve their problems. And if you could do something for them, because it's likely that these people have very overloaded schedules and they have a lot on their plates and they would be thrilled to give you some of the tasks they have that are more mundane and more maybe entry level, which for you would be a great opportunity to to prove yourself. Uh, Particularly these days with LinkedIn, you could effectively outreach to anyone out there. And I would strongly suggest that people use, students use their their status as college students to to reach out because that status engenders a ton of goodwill. You know, use your .edu accounts to to reach out and express your curiosity and and your hunger to learn and and ask how you can help these these people who you might be connected with either at a first degree or a second degree and see what you could do for them. Form those relationships and they're not that's not going to happen overnight as as my case, and I'm sure countless other cases prove, this is going to take a few months, maybe even a year to germinate. But once you develop these productive relationships professionally, they're going to stay with you for the rest of your career. No matter where these individuals go that you had reached out to, they will be your, they will become a part of your network. And you being willing to raise your hand and, and ask how they could be helped and to jump in the deep end. They, they would love to take you on that. And then the rest of it is up to your entrepreneurship and in your ability to 
go through hardships and apply yourself until until you get that payoff in whatever that means to you, whether that means your perfect job, whether that means a new certification. So no matter what your final destination or interim destination, it's important that you apply yourself and be ready for putting one foot in front of the other and prove yourself and really reach out and be proactive with and forming that, that network that you have. Uh, and eventually you'll succeed. It, it's just a matter of time. And it's just a matter of how persistent you are and how willing you are to, to go through hardships temporarily in, or in, in the name of that, of that bigger goal and that bigger vision. And it's going to happen. All right. That's absolutely awesome. So there's so much I can unpack for that from that. You know, you talk about, you know, finding those people who are going to help you, right? So those are the mentors um, yes. along the way. So for you in your journey, how have mentors impacted your life to really change the trajectory, to really change your mindset and build you up as a business person that you are today? It, it's, it's incredibly important. I, I fully agree. Without these people who have invested in me and, and given me the benefit of the doubt, I wouldn't have achieved anything so far. Um, and uh, specifically, as I mentioned to you, Microsoft earlier, I mentioned how Microsoft hired me from Northeastern. Mm -hmm. This was all due to uh, a Microsoft uh, employee at the time, a Northeastern alum, his name is Norm Tonina. Mm -hmm. And he, he saw it in me to give me that, that job offer place his faith in me and his, his trust in me that I wouldn't let his, his vote down. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's what brought me to Microsoft. Then as I was making my pivot from finance into, into business strategy, the manager at the time of, of the business development team at Microsoft Game Studios, uh, his name was Todd Stevens. He mm -hmm. saw that, uh, that potential in me and gave me that ability to to apply for this role even if on paper I would be completely unqualified to do so and then and then that that trend continues and and I think it's important for everyone who's listening to build yourself surround yourself with a um, a team of mentors it's it's better if it's not just one person but but a team of mentors effectively if you view yourself as a small startup as a, as a small business Surround yourself with an advisory board um, with, with different perspectives coming from different um, points of view uh, who, would, who would make you better. Again, people are, are incredibly willing to do so. If you show your, your zeal, if you show your passion, if, you, if you're willing to be of value and of assistance to them, they will do that for you. Mm -hmm. and, and without that help, it's very, very hard to, to succeed and then it's very hard to, to succeed on a, on a recurring basis. It's, it's very important to have that team of mentors in your corner. It's wonderful that you say that to have a team. Um, in some people who I've interviewed mentioned that, you know, throughout their life journey, they haven't really had mentors per se as in a person, but more in books, reading books, listening to podcasts, um, they've had mentors that way, right? So I think, you know, in, in terms of broadening that scope of the people piece, um, we can learn from other areas as well, right? Yes, absolutely. No, no doubt. I mean, there's this form of inspiration that comes from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
you should absolutely, again, surround yourself with whatever you, you find positive and whatever pushes you forward in life, whether that's, that's a book or, or a piece of music or, or sports team. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. It, it, I think it's all beneficial. Um, but, I, but I do think also that having that, that human connection mm-hmm. and, and having the goodwill of someone who could put themselves in your shoes and mm-hmm. almost remember back to the point in time when they were you and, and helping you overcome and maybe shortcut some of the mistakes that they've gone through. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's incredibly helpful. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So let's segue in talking about an epic fail that you've had along the way, because in our lives, we've all had epic fails, right? So if you could just unpack an example of an epic fail and what you did to overcome that fail. Yes, of course. We we all make mistakes. Before I actually describe the failure, I'd like to share maybe how I view mistakes and failures. I think it's Mm -hmm. It's how we learn. I would even go as far as suggesting that if your listeners have not found themselves in the position of being able to make mistakes for a significant amount of time, I would even say that they're doing something wrong professionally. This is maybe an indication that they're too comfortable and they're starting to coast or maybe they are stagnating even professionally. So I think it's very, very important to to put yourself in the position to, to make mistakes. And along those lines, one of the many things that Amazon has taught me is to look at mistakes as one-way door versus two-way door decisions. And this is some, this is a famous statement of, of Jeff Bezos, uh, who, who compares decisions to, to doors. And similarly to a two-way door, you can go on the other side and see how you like it when you make the decision to, to take an action. And if you dislike it, you can always go back and, and unwind the decision it's important to find out that roughly 90 plus percent of all decisions out there that we take are two-way door decisions. And it's important to spend energy, not on, on the specific decision necessarily, but it's important to spend the energy on figuring out if this is a two-way door versus a one-way door decision. And once you establish that it's a two-way door decision, walk through that door boldly. And, and if you don't like what you see, you can always go back for the most part. The painful decisions and the painful failures are the one-way door ones. And particularly in my case, the ones that hurt the most are not the ones that impact just me, but they impact the people around me as well. Yes. Um, I can, again, I've made a fair share of those. I can discuss potentially one of them, as you, as you asked, just giving some context. In my corporate career with Microsoft and Amazon, as I mentioned, I was in the video game space, where these large companies, they tend to fund the creation of, of new video game content, new video games. And in order to do so, they partner with smaller independent game development studios, which are scattered all around, all around the world. And think of those as small teams of anywhere from a dozen to a hundred or a few hundred people. And those game studios work with the publisher, with the game publisher, Microsoft or Amazon, to create the games and and Microsoft and Amazon would fund the game. And also as a byproduct, they would fund the payroll and the livelihood of those game development teams. What happens, unfortunately, once and again, is that some of these projects get canceled by the publishers. And when that happens, there's an incredible amount of stress on the game development independent studio. Because sometimes games underperform, sometimes things are not going along plan and the milestones are below par. So 
my failure that I'd like to share is along one of those cases where we were working with a uh, independent game development studio in the central time zone of the United States and uh, the game development process was not going very well and it was up to me I was the eyes and ears of that studio within the publisher it was up to me to keep that communication back and forth and manage the game development process and I didn't do that very well I was maybe wishing that all these problems are gonna go away magically and I was putting a lot of these difficult decisions under the carpet until one day the publisher, Microsoft or Amazon, I'm, I'm not gonna go into any more detail than that, but one of these publishers, they just decided, no, we're just gonna terminate the game. And I had to call the, the owner of that, of that independent studio and let him know the tough news, which effectively meant that he needed to disband the team because we would stop paying them. And it was a very, very tough call, a very antagonistic call, as you can imagine. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. And then the, the story continues because later that day, I uh, had plans to go to the Seattle Symphony here in Benaroya Hall in Seattle with my wife now and my mother. And we're, we're enjoying this, this evening of classical music and it's about 9 p.m. Seattle Pacific time and uh, there's an intermission and imagine we all stroll in the hall and we, we sip wine and champagne out of these tall crystal glasses Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, I get a phone call from the owner of that studio. And, um, and I took the call. I don't know why, but I took the call right then and there. And uh, he was calling from somewhere that was very loud, maybe even maybe a bar. And he just was drunk, audibly drunk. <laughs> and, uh, right. and he would hurl these, these uh, insults at me and he would... Uh, swear at me and 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 he was completely in his right to do so that feeling has stayed with me ever since you just imagine me in my tuxedo sipping mm -hmm. on this uh glass of champagne while this person on the other side of the line is is uh is having to terminate the people on his team mm -hmm. so that that's a pretty significant failure and that that teaches me that teach that should teach anyone that you should take you should embrace the hard decisions right away you should communicate clearly. You should take responsibility. I took responsibility after the fact when, when things had gone wrong, but you should not, hope is not a strategy. You should, you should be a truth teller. You should be a truth seeker. You should embrace those, those challenging conversations and those realities because being uh, upfront about them is a much better way to handle things and, and being able to anticipate some of these challenges down the line. Wow, this one is a mic drop, right? And I don't think I have a lot to add to that because you did, you know, talk about the lessons that you learned from that. And with that, that is, you know, you've carried that with you in all the work that you did going forward. So thank you so much for sharing that. And to you, my listeners, you definitely want to bookmark this spot and, and really keep that with you because it totally resonated with me. As you said, hope is not a strategy. It's about taking responsibilities for the actions and finding solutions to move forward to a better place. So that's really awesome. Thank you, Nick. So let's talk about your project that is currently firing you up. You know, your baby that you just yeah. launched, you know, recently. Let's talk yeah. about that. 
Yeah. So, uh, so again, I was, uh, I was very, very fortunate throughout my career. I joined Amazon, as you mentioned at the very beginning, about mm -hmm. five years ago, six years ago. And uh, I've had a, a really great time there, learned a lot. But uh, the immigrant in me has always wanted to keep uh, storming the winds, <laughs> keep, uh, <laughs> keep uh, pushing and, and build something of my own. I have this irrational desire to create something that, that helps improve people's lives to the best extent that I can. And, uh, and I did start this service that's preparing people to interview effectively with, with companies like Amazon which practice behavioral interviewing. A lot of companies out there, a lot of high-tech companies like uh, Microsoft and, and Google, Facebook, Amazon, so on and so forth, they, they, practice, they practice what's called behavioral interviewing techniques. So my, my experience at, at Amazon and then, and then with Microsoft prior to that has given me a fair amount of insight into that to, mm -hmm. to be able to step away and, and help people interview well. I can help customers polish their delivery and, and truly leave a mark as best as they can uh, during the interview process because I've seen a lot of highly qualified people struggle with, with, that, with that interview process of you having only 45 minutes to make an impression and relate your life story to the person sitting on the other side of the table. And, and that is, that's a daunting proposition to a lot of people. It's uh -huh. very, very scary, especially, you know, when you're really focused on that job that you see you match the skill sets and there's so much competition these days and you're like, I got to get this job. And, you know, there's just this fear in the belly. So it's really cool that, you know, you founded this company and you're paying it forward you know, based on all of your vast experience. I've truly been very fortunate to work with people who want to invest in themselves uh, mm -hmm. and, and who, who do have some of that hunger that we've talked about earlier, some of that willingness to face hardships mm -hmm. and, to in, and to truly invest in themselves and, and in their human capital. That's really what, what helps us be successful with those folks because I don't have a magic wand that... Mm -hmm in the case where you don't have the accomplishments in your career, I can't, I can't fabricate those for you. I can help you disclose and describe those more fully. But uh, as I like to say, there's nothing worse than good marketing of a bad product. If you, if you haven't achieved much, I will help you talk very eloquently about it, which is going to backfire on you. It's been, it's been absolutely a revelation. It, it's, it's amazing to work with people who are, so focused on on improving their lot in life for their own sake for the sake of their families who are willing to as you said they they're willing to run through walls in order to get that job uh, because they know they can do it and and they just need someone to invest in them and and give them time and give them the ability to see themselves from a from a different perspective and and maybe help them hear how they sound from the point of view of, a, of an employer who's looking for for a very particular type of mindset and thinking. So, uh, so we've, been, we've been very fortunate to work with amazing folks and, and it never gets old when someone shoots us a note and saying, yes, I just got the offer by Amazon or I just got the offer by Microsoft and it's, uh, it's an incredible feeling. That's um, absolutely awesome. You know, I, I like what you said in terms of your assistance to the clients is really helping them, helping to them to discern and understand 
how, what's, what sort of image they're emitting and how they're communicating what they can do for that company, you're able to give that objective view to yes. them. So then once they have that understanding, they're better able to project well when they meet with that potential employer. That's, that's really neat. That's a really, really unique way of, of doing things, right? No, I agree. It's, it, it's incredibly important to, again, to give some more specificity to, to some of what these big companies are looking for. It's incredibly important to be very illustrative and discuss your accomplishments with data and examples. It's, it's not a good idea to generalize. It's not a good idea to just rush through your responses. There's a particular method which you should use in, in order to truly unpack your accomplishments. And it, it's publicly available. It's called the STAR method, situation, task, action, result. We call it the SOAR method, situation, obstacle, action, result. And it truly helps. And it's not, ju- it's not just going to help you likely with just your job interview. It's going to help you with the rest of your life. Along those lines, you, uh, if you're interested and in, in listening to Irenaeus podcast, you can go to our website amazonbound.today and uh, we offer a number of free mini courses video mini courses one of them is called on the day of your amazon interview you can download it completely for free and you can see exactly what uh, some of those actions are and events are that take place both in front of the curtain and behind the curtain and that's going to be beneficial for you as you think of applying not just to amazon but to a, a number of these of these well-established and successful high-tech companies. That's absolutely awesome, Nick, that you have that free resource, you know, to offer to listeners of the show. You know, when you're in a, explaining a work situation, a problem that, you know, you've encountered um, during that interview, you know, being able to recognize the situation, the obstacle, but saying what action you took, you know, to tell or to advise, on possible solutions and by doing all of the research around it and even suggesting implementation, it just brings up that level of that individual, right? So you're definitely gonna unpack that for for those job seekers, so that's awesome. When you entered into the corporate world, right? You pivot from university to Microsoft to Amazon. I'm thinking the organizational culture within those organizations were slightly different. So can you describe ideal organization culture and give some advice to individuals who are entering corporate? The, the culture of the place is its DNA. And unless you know how to navigate in that culture, you're not going to be successful in the company. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very true that each of these companies, in my particular case with Microsoft and Amazon, they have their very strong, very pronounced cultures. And they're quite different. I mean, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other or vice versa. It means that they value different criteria and different ways of, of doing business. For example, and I think these differences would appeal differently to listeners of your, of your, uh, of your podcast. Because one size does not fit everyone and no two people are the same. So to, to, to answer your question more specifically, for instance, Microsoft is a company that focuses on inventing high technology uh, services and, and high technology products. They, they love that, that technology bend and that invention spirit. Uh, they're, they're definitely technology first, where if you are an engineer, if you are 
a software developer, that place would be a great place for you to join. Uh, Amazon values, uh, absolutely values invention and, and creativity as well. But Amazon's number one mantra is customer obsession. And for Amazon, it all begins and ends with the customer. And technology is secondary to that customer experience. So if you are looking for a product manager, program manager, project manager roles, Amazon would be a wonderful place for you to consider. So if you, if you know what you're looking for and what your strengths are, you could, you could potentially find the best cultural fit. You can, you can research a lot of that online, but again, to answer your question with, with tactical specific response, what are some of the things people can do when they join a new corporate culture? Just, I would say, use your first 30, 60, 90 days as your newbie card, as, as someone who is okay and allowed to ask all kinds of questions. Don't be afraid to look unprepared or, or curious or even foolish. Some people, they tend to not ask questions out of the fear that people would judge that they don't know the answer to a question or they would think less of them. That, that cannot be any further from the truth. Ask those questions, get that clarity because once you get past that 100 let's say 100 day mark you're going to get less of that currency in your in your favor also particularly with amazon just make sure you are going on a on a limb and being very specific all the time when you're answering questions when you're making assertions specificity and and clarity of expression matters a lot so it, it just i think a universal approach is one try to prepare and learn about the culture that you're gonna enter by doing research online, by talking to other alumni of that, of that corporation, and two, use your initial start with the company to accumulate as much knowledge and, and soak up as much knowledge as you can, because that's a very unique period of time for you where you're gonna be forgiven a lot and people would be very open to, to helping you succeed as a new hire. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you for that. That's some great advice to you listeners listening. Um, definitely some great advice, not only for graduates, but for anyone, any mid-career professional, you know, right now who's been followed or laid off or who are, who's looking to make a career pivot. Definitely great advice for you. And you definitely want to head over to um, Amazon Bound website to capitalize on that free resource that Nick just mentioned. So in, in getting back to you and your company, in this current period of time, you had to make some really high velocity decisions in your organizations. What were some of the things you had to do pretty quickly once, you know, this pandemic hit because everything changed, right? In, in just a matter of a few days. Absolutely. So it's, it was, it, it's a very challenging period for all of us obviously. And the most important thing we can do is just invest in ourselves and our own health and stay safe and, and keep those loved ones around you safe as well. Mm -hmm. That's by far the most important thing. But then also after you do that, after you take care of, the, of those basics, as tough as a crisis is for us, it's a great opportunity to see what's working, what's not working, and then double down and reinvent yourself in a way that would make you even more successful. So in our particular case, we used to, we're based out of Seattle, we used to do a fair number of our sessions and experiences in person. 
Uh, we were based right out of a co-working space next to Pike Place Market in Seattle, which is one of the iconic locations in the city. And uh, overnight, that that place shut down. It had to it had to close down, and, mm-hmm. and a very significant stream of of customers had had nowhere to go to, and, and they had evaporated. So what we did is we, we effectively pushed everything online. We retooled the program to, to 100% online. A lot of the sessions and mock interviews, which used to happen in person, now are, are happening online. As a result, the, the number of customers has, has increased quite a bit. And uh, mm-hmm. the last three months, March, April, May, has, uh, have been all record months in terms of both users and in the amount of content that they consume. A number of, of key changes have taken place. The first one is that these types of communications now over video connection are much more mainstream. They're becoming the norm with people working from home and people not being able to, to, to see each other in person. That's one. Two, I think in these times of uncertainty, people are looking for someone to be in their corner, to look out for them and root with them and, and invest themselves in their well-being as well. And that's what we're very thrilled and, and fortunate to be able to do for our customers. And three, unfortunately, with a large number of companies somewhat slowing down their hiring, we've seen a, a, an increase in, in customers who come to us looking to, again, to be that much more competitive and to be, and to be better prepared. And we're a small team. It's me and five other people. And uh, we're we're trying to do as best as we can to accommodate everybody's request and, and be on their timeline and, and be as flexible as possible. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do, as I've mentioned a couple of times, for someone is, is, is help them invest in their own human capital and, and realize their, their potential in the long run. All right. That's awesome. So what advice would you have for other entrepreneurs who had to quickly pivot during this current time when you know they're thinking about onboarding new employees i don't have it all figured out i'm sure just like any other regular person i and the people on the team are making mistakes all the time but um, Mm -hmm. a couple of specific pieces of advice i can share keep the long term in mind it's so very important to do things methodically and one step at a time inspiration comes and goes and it's a very fleeting emotion. In my experience, it's, it's never been just one feature that we would launch that would turn out to be the magic bullet or one new addition or one new course or one new lecture. It tends to be, instead, it tends to be this methodical step-by-step addition of an accumulation of quality experiences and content and relations and, and network that in time pays off. As Jeff Bezos says, you could fill a bucket with a dropper in a sufficiently long enough amount of time. You just need to have that patience and that persistence and put yourself in, in, in being able to contribute, to, to add to that bucket as challenging and as adverse the environment is around you. Because when you look back, you're going to be surprised with the amount of progress you have made, no matter how insignificant and small those steps had seemed at the time in hindsight, they, they add up. My suggestion, my advice would be, do not assign your self-worth, your sense of self and satisfaction to any one milestone or any one thing you're delivering on. Arm yourself with that long-term view. Keep marching methodically. Keep contributing. Orient yourself as, as we had attempted to do of, of some of the things that are working, some of the things which aren't. Double down on the things that are working. 
keep that long-term mentality and, and in the long run you should you should come out further ahead and be and be more healthy and more effective wow a mic drop right there thank you so much for that nick we talked about a lot of things in the interview you know i really enjoyed you know your journey from bulgaria to the us so the journeys that you took through microsoft and amazon and also talking about your business and you know it's a purpose driven business you know you giving back and and paying forward you know, all of the vast experience that you have acquired and pouring that into people. That is so fantastic. Thank you. So kudos to you for that, you know, and I wish you the best in, with what you're doing with Amazon Bound and that it continues to grow and, and, and spread all over the world. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Aaron. It's been, it's been, it's been fun. Um, I really appreciated the time and the opportunity to, to talk to you. Uh, I think you're onto something special in uh, talking to people who have um, put themselves together and been maybe, maybe succeeded against the odds even. I'm just thrilled to be here and uh, hopefully what we've gone through has been useful to uh, some, of your, uh, some of your audience. Yes. So we're not quite finished yet, right? <laughs> because, you know, we're successful people. We're always curious to find out. So let's just segue into the rapid fire insights, right? About you. What is some of your morning rituals that put a pep in your step, a pride in your stride to set the tone for the day? I just try to get up early. I think that's the most important thing. I have a four and a half year old and uh, I, I need to get a, a, a step ahead of him in, in the morning. So, <laughs> so I try to get up around five, five thirty, uh, sometimes earlier if I can and, and try to get some of that me time and some of that business time out of the way until, until he wakes up. And uh, sometimes he, he cock-a-doodles when he wakes up out of bed and uh, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I know that that's when my time's up. I need to deposit him to, to daycare and then I continue on with the rest, of, the rest of my day. That's awesome. We all know that music changes our physiology or our mood. What music do you have, you know, that's on constant replay? <laughs> I don't know how interesting that would be for people, but uh, I would maybe date myself by sharing that some of the music I like are songs by, by Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, Metallica, or some of the more contemporary stuff is, is Dave Matthews' band. And in terms of books, what book would you recommend that has really impacted your life and has changed the trajectory of your life? And you also have a couple of books. We, did, we didn't even get to talking about those, right? But anyway, right. you can mention those and another book that has impacted your life. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to plug my books, but look that up and they might find my book, they might not. But the, okay. the point is to, is to talk about things that inspire me. It, it, but, Books are so ubiquitous and, and it's, it's hard to choose one or two. Some of my favorite books are The Old Man and the Sea, you know, it's beautiful prose where Hemingway uses these very, very simple sentences. The dog barks in the yard. On the other hand, he weaves this tapestry and this story that absolutely moves you to, to the marrow of your bones. So, so I, love, I love The Old Man and the Sea. I love The Catcher in the Rye. I love Atlas Shrugged. There's a lot of books that, that have impacted me and I, I fully agree with you. You have to keep reading. And you have to keep looking for these role models, whether in mentors, whether in person or fictional. They're, the fictional ones could be just as powerful. That's awesome. So now that we got to know a little bit more about you on the personal side, I just want to give you this opportunity to give 
you know, your last thoughts based on all that we've spoken about, how to, to really address interviewing and, and, you know, we talked about corporate culture and we, we talked about a variety of things that you did, your epic fail, how you overcome it, your thoughts and, on failure and, and, you know, your definition for it, which is quite unique and interesting. What is a key takeaway for what you would like our listeners to have here? If I were to, to boil it down to just one thing is you have to believe in yourself. You have mm. to have faith in yourself and you have to, fa- you have, to have the faith in, in a better future. It's an incredibly strong differentiator. Uh, as, as I had mentioned a number of times, I have very good fortune to work with people who, who take their future very seriously and who are willing to invest in themselves inordinate amount of effort and energy to improve their, their lot in life. Our success rate of our customers we had hired by Amazon and Microsoft and all these other Google and all these other prominent places, our success rate is six times higher than the average applicant who, who applies in at these companies. But that six X highest success rate is not driven necessarily by anything that we teach those customers. I, I'm not confused that that's the case. I would say 75% of that success comes from the self-bias and the self-selection of people who take themselves with enough focus to seek us out and ask for our help. And then only maybe 25% of the improved success rate comes from the methodologies and, and the steps that we give them. The one thing to, to, to keep with you is have faith in yourself, have that courage, have that quiet confidence, that peace of mind that if they hire you, if any of these companies who interview you, if they hire you, that's going to be a big boost for them. Uh, and if they choose not to hire you, then, then so be it. it it's, it's effectively their loss more so than yours. And under different time and, and circumstances, the outcome would have been different. Um, having that, that self-faith and that belief and, and positive determination on life, I, I think is a, is a huge difference maker in, uh, in what's going to help you be more successful personally and professionally. Thank you so much, Nick. So you hear that, listeners. You got to believe in yourself with 100% certainty. And that is the formula. Right, Nick? That is correct. Thank you so much. I absolutely enjoyed our conversation. I could go on and on speaking to you because I'm just so fascinated. But right now, we got to wind it down. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, Irene. Bye-bye. All right. Listeners, I'm preparing this fantastic community for you, a community where we can gather, collide, share our ideas, and support each other. I have a lot of plans for you. You are simply going to enjoy the Live with Irenia community. It's coming soon. I will be sharing more in future episodes. Hang on to your seats because we are going to have so much fun. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I would love to incorporate you into my show. 
if you're facing a challenge, if you want to give a shout out, please email me info livewithirenia at gmail.com. All one word, info livewithirenia and gmail.com. If it fits with the program, I will definitely incorporate it. If you're sending a shout out, oh, I would certainly love that. If you found value in the show, please share it with a friend. It's important that we share this knowledge and spread it all across the world. After all, we are in this life journey together. Please do subscribe to this podcast so that you can know when a new episode drop. Please head on over to iTunes, give us a review, let me know how great you think the show is, and give me some feedback on an episode that has changed the trajectory of your life or has impacted you in some small way. If you want to connect with me on social, head on over to Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at Live with Irenia. This podcast was produced by me in my home studio, including all brand elements. Listeners, until our next episode, walk into your day with positive vibes. My hope for you is that you find your vibe wherever you may be in your life journey. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. Thank you.